This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Pinsider Podcast. Tonight we'll be draft heavy as we hit the two weeks to go until the first round. But we also have Cameron Wake to discuss, as well as taking your phone calls, tweets, and comments. You can call us at 347-326-9461. Tweet us using the hashtag #PoundFinsider. Leave a comment in the thread on the Finsider or join the chat room over on blogtalkradio.com. As I get ready to bring in my co-host for the night, I want to remind everyone that we do have a reader survey going on right now. There are fan shots up on the front page, as well as uh, places that you can find all the information within the site. I'll post another one after the podcast. I'd really love to hear your ideas for the site and the podcast. I really want to hear them. One of the big ones that we've heard so far is the length of the show. We seem to have a lot of people hitting the... 30-minute length is the ideal. We'll, uh, we're also getting a good number at 45 minutes or an hour. So my goal is to aim for 45 minutes. We'll see if we can do that tonight. I tested the system again last night. Everything worked fine. So hopefully our technical problems from the last two weeks are over and done with. Now let me introduce Keith, who you all know as KMB8488 when he posts, and our producer James, or Texas Calphone. How are you guys doing tonight? Hello, good, how are you? What on earth was that, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Okay. But uh, let's uh, before we do get engrossed in all the draft talk, let's go ahead and hit Cameron Wake. If you don't know, Wake has not reported to Dolphins camp for the voluntary workouts the team is having right now. He's basically holding out because he's scheduled to make $650,000 this year. Whereas everybody with his production level and sacks and quarterback pressures and everything are usually making between about 10 million and 14 million. 
So this is probably that one case where I will say a holdout actually makes sense. So, uh, Keith, how long do you think this holdout thing is going to take? I really don't know. Uh, I'm uh, I'm torn because I know Wake's a really uh, he's someone I know he wants to be there. Uh, it's it's something where like he participates. I mean he's he's a workout warrior. So uh, the longer it holds out, the more of a message it sends. That I mean I mean he means business here. I mean he wants yeah. to be out there, but I mean he's also woefully underpaid right now. I don't think anyone's going to debate that. I think what's going to be his uh, limiting factor would be the fact that as soon as they hit mandatory workouts, the Dolphins can fine him $30,000 a day. And when you're only making 650000 30000 a day kind of is expensive. Yeah. But it, uh, yeah. I, I'm not overly concerned about it because, like I said, this is that one holdout that makes sense. It's the one holdout where everybody goes, yeah, okay, I got it. So it'll get done. Um, my my concern is that where are they going to come up with the money this year? Right. I mean, uh, it seems like a lot of their money is going to be sitting in 2013. So... Yeah, I think I think what it comes down to is somehow, somewhere this year, we're going to work out a deal with either Wake or Long. And then uh, we'll franchise the other guy if we have to and get a long-term deal worked out after that. I mean, I, ho- I hope so. A lot of the two things people are going to point to with Wake – uh, would be age, obviously, and then uh, the how mediocre he looked against Nate Silver last year. I've seen a lot of people bring that up. I mean, Wake did yeah. get eventually did put up numbers against Silver, but I mean that first game, I, I would give him a mulligan. I mean, the entire defense looked gassed during that game. I mean, I mean just the unit as a whole. Was was pathetic, so I would let that go. But I didn't think Wake Wake really redeemed himself against Solder. I think when they played on Christmas Eve, I, he looked okay, but not elite stud pass rusher. So yeah, I mean, exactly. those, those two things are going to work against him. But I mean, if you look at his numbers over over his since his time uh, joining Miami, I mean, I mean, his numbers have been great. I mean, he's he's been relentlessly productive. He has. I liked uh, I liked in those posts when the um, holdout first happened, or we first realized he wasn't showing up. In those posts, I talked about uh, what uh, Pro Football Focus looked at with him, and he rates out as the number one three-four linebacker linebacker because when you add in his sacks, his quarterback hits, his quarterback pressures, and the number of times he's held, he's great above everybody else and well above everybody else. And I think that's the key one right there is because Solder was holding him like mad during that game. Mm-hmm. And now, granted, he didn't get the calls every time, and I'm sure we'll hear from uh, fans who say, no, he wasn't held because there was no penalty. But if you watch the tape, he was held. 
Yeah, Solder got away with some stuff there. I mean, the old adage is there's holding on every play. Solder got away from with some stuff. But I thought there's a couple of times where Wake was just caught when he was trying to bend around the edge. Stuff that, I mean, normally you don't see that guy get caught on that. I mean, he's so flexible. I mean, you think, remember uh, in week two, 2010, when he went against uh, Minnesota. And I think, uh, it, I mean, obviously people can get around Phil Loadhold. That's not... That's not the hardest task in the NFL. But you remember he just had that outrageous bend around the edge to his rush when he was getting to Brett Favre, and it seemed like he was he was just getting held up. So I'm not worried about Wake. I think Wake's a tremendous asset to our, our defense. I would say that he's, a, he's a, an integral part of it. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine this defense right now without him. And the fact that we're going – I mean, the talk is – we're going to spend more time in the four three with this hybrid. He's a defensive end anyway. I mean, you can you can talk about him being an outside linebacker, but he's not somebody you want to see dropping back into coverage. You you don't want him on tight ends. You want that guy pinning his ears ears back and going after the quarterback. That's where I'm most comfortable with him. I know that's where the Dolphins. Are. Yeah, I, I, he he has to. Hey, uh, the Vaughn is best. Is it me that you're having problems hearing? Go ahead and comment back in the thread, and uh, we'll figure something out. But can you hear me fine, Keith? Yeah, you sound great. I can hear you perfectly here. Okay. Thanks, James. Yeah. Devon is best wrote in the uh, thread that he's having problems hearing me, so I don't know if maybe I'm just coming across softly for some reason or what. But, uh, Earl, you better call in at some point. Don't give me a maybe. But, yeah, and, I, um, and guys, to call in, I posted it in the thread, but uh, it's 347-326-9461. Give us a call. We'll happily talk to anybody that wants to call in about anything. We don't have to stick to the draft because I'm sure you guys are getting tired of the draft. But since it is getting close to draft time, let's go ahead and turn our attention that way. We're two weeks today away from the draft, and we have seen the um, – Mock draft after mock draft after mock draft, whether it's ESPN, SI.com, uh, any of those type, or if it's the 8152nd, I think, that's been posted on the Finsider, and that would be Maddie's, I believe, was the 800,000, whatever I just said, 8 trillion some odd. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and uh, hit the first round really fast. But I'd rather go deeper into the draft tonight. So, James, Keith, what are you guys thinking at a first-round pick for the Dolphins right now? Not not uh, certain it's going to be Tannehill. I think Tannehill will be there. Uh, it's, But it, I don't think it's any sort of lock that the Dolphins are just going to throw their card in the second they go on the clock if Ryan Tannehill's there. I think that... They've got some. They've got some serious options here. They have two very different, but very strong, very promising pass rushers. There's some great. There could be some great receiving talent on the board. Uh, there's always the. I guess you would say the threat of them taking a, another offensive lineman. So it, it's not a lock. I. Uh, if you saw earlier on the, on the site today, I posted what was the rundown of the first round from 
the bloggers' uh, mock draft. SB Nation contacted all 32 teams' uh, managing editor and said, uh, give us your pick. And we went through and we've worked our way. We're into the second round right now. And I picked Tannehill at eight. And in my thread that I posted on our site, linking to that thread, I uh, I said, I'm not sure that, that Tannehill would be my pick anymore. And I'm going to post a full mock draft next week, and it will be my final uh, my final uh, mock or my only mock of the year. <laughs> so I'll uh, I won't give away where I'm thinking right now. But yeah, I'm not sure I'm going Tannehill anymore. What do you think, James? Man, I I'm I'm still where I was last week. I, the, the more they pump up Tannehill. And the more information that comes out of, uh, you know, the Miami front office or leaks out or whatever you want to call it, uh, the less I'm certain that that's the pick. I just, I just feel like in this is where Jeff Ireland's ego will come into play, but I don't think it's necessarily in a in a bad way. Like people people will immediately assume, but he's not going to let the media or anyone else dictate where he's going with that pick. It'll be an in-house thing. It's going to be the information he's gotten from Mike Sherman about Ryan Tannehill. It's going to be uh, the information he's gathered from Joe Philbin about where where he would like to go with that pick. It's going to have nothing to do with the the plethora of mock drafts out there. And it's almost unanimous right now that they think Ryan Tannehill is coming to Miami, but I mean, you're going to see Ireland is going to do what he, I mean, he's going to stick to his board. We, we know that he's done it before. He'll do it again. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You don't want your, your general manager to have his arm twisted. Yeah. I, I think we, we all saw it. And if you guys saw, on the, and I keep referencing back, I'll, I'll work on not doing that as much, but um, I'm start, I've started working on all the draft picks from this year all the way back. I'll eventually get to every single draft pick the Miami Dolphins have had. Um, but looking at it, I really think that Bill Parcells, no matter how much we want to say that Jeff Ireland was, Bill Parcells had a – this is really Ireland's second draft where it's all him. There's no influence, no matter how little or how much it was, there's no influence over him. It's him working with his head coach. So I think this will be a key one for Ireland, and we'll see what he can come up with. Are you going to tell us uh, where you think the Dolphins will go with that pick, or are you going to save that for your your one-and-done mock draft? I'm, I'm going to save it for my one-and-done uh, throw us a bone here. Oh, uh, animal! If you're still listening, call back in. I was literally about to hit the the button to call, bring you in. Call back, animal. <laughs> but oh, <laughs> uh, perfect timing. Hopefully, uh, that means he hung up versus the system deciding to dump him. Yeah, I don't want people to get dumped. But um, so. Where do you think now, as we look and get past the first round, where do you think the second round is headed? I think that might be the quarterback. 
and I know people listening to this just groaned like, oh, not again. But I, I really think so. But that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, we're going to take a quarterback in the second round. I think that that second pick will be used. It could be to move up back into the first. Maybe they use one of the – I mean, we'll get to the three, the third round picks in a second. But, I mean, those could be used as ammunition. I think, I mean, I think we'll aggressively go after a quarterback. And I believe that if of any of our picks, it – could very well be the second that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be taking that quarterback at the spot we currently are are occupying in the second round yeah uh, i i do think that if, if you look at his history or the bill parcells history um the dolphins make a move in the draft every year it seems like and it might actually be every year once i go back and look at it i would not be surprised to see a move either back, forward, something between that second and first round area. Let's see what so the before, this caller has to say. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. Let's go back to uh, the first round. We've got uh, Jerry in Nashville who wants to talk about that eighth pick. So, Jerry, go ahead. What's up? How's it going, fellas? Good. How are you? Doing good. I'm, I'm glad to see you guys are doing a podcast. Excited about it. And uh, I've been tuning in the last couple of nights. Uh, the last few uh, weeks here, so again, I'm looking forward to talking Dolphins football with you guys. Um, my thoughts were uh, on the eight pick and whether, you know, I think it'd be ideal we could trade down, but that costs so much for people to do, and I don't think it's really going to happen, but um, I'm, I am a big fan of, uh, or have been a big fan of Tammy Hill myself, and honestly, because of the need that we have, it's hard to control your emotions, not to you know, be wanting to pick them. But I'm thinking more and more, uh, as one of, our, one of the gentlemen say, um, I think the uh, linebacker from uh, Boston College is going to come into play uh, if I'm if I'm reading Ireland right. I think it's he could very well be the pick there, uh, being that Dansby and Burnett can both play outside there. And then uh, that guy can drop coverage. He can also play outside linebacker too. So I'm getting more and more belief. Uh, with the belief that uh, I believe the Dolphins are very interested in, in some of the other later quarterbacks, uh, Osweiler from Arizona State, I think, possibly maybe even Whedon or, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I believe that uh, though a lot of people might not like it, um, Russell Wilson is a possibility. The guy, he knows a lot. and He's coming up through there. I think he might be a later round possibility. So I think there's a lot of uh, later round possibilities uh, that the Dolphins would rather stick their neck on and then be able to make possibly the linebacker from D.C. at number eight uh, if they can't trade down and then also probably go something like Vinnie Curry in the second round, um, which is going to be a difficult thing because when you think about the offensive needs that we have, but I think they can double up and get good value on two receivers at the uh, at the two seventy three and seventy three and seventy four pick, but that's just the thought out there. I just wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Well, first off, before I, I give you my opinion on it, are, would you be cool with the Dolphins going after Luke Keekley? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. At first, I didn't want no part of it, man. But the more I thought about it, the more film that I've seen and studied on, and and seeing, you know, how productive that there's no doubt really in my mind. I mean, I don't have the benefit to sit down on the couch and talk to the guy or, you know, measure his heart or his desire or anything like that, like some other guys got. Um, but from a layman's point of view, 
um, I see a lot of good things about him, and he's a very versatile man. And you know, I, I wish we could ever get to the point, especially now that now that we're possibly not a Super Bowl team, obviously, unless a miracle happens. That why can't we just, you know, everybody always shouts, pick the best player available. Well, that never has, hardly ever happens, man, never. And, and I think it's wrong. And I think if you're sitting at eight, you know, I like Tannehill, I'll be cool with it. But I'm saying if if if, if, if we're thinking straight here and, and Ireland's not moved by it, that I think the best player on the board when you look down the road here in a couple of years, that he's going to be one of the guys that go Pro Bowl after Pro Bowl. And he's, he's I think he's a real deal, man, as much as I hate to have to do it because I like Tannehill, but I just, you know, when common sense sits down at the table, you know, common sense says this guy's got 19 starts and most people think he's not ready yet, so. No, I I absolutely agree with you, and Keekley's arguably my favorite prospect in this draft overall, and the thing you brought up, and I think that's an excellent point, is he's arguably the safest player in this draft. And what does Jeff Ireland do? He goes after the sure thing. Yeah. I mean, he I mean, we, he had Mike Pouncey staring at him in the face at number 15 overall, and he took him, and a lot of people said that was too high. And there's a, a case to be made for that. But the thing is that Mike Pouncey and his brother are once-in-a-lifetime prospects at center. Sure. Guys are not supposed to be able to move like that and have that sort of athleticism and intelligence and just overall football pedigree, I mean, you just don't see that. So, I mean, he wants yeah. the sure thing, and Luke Keekley, like you said, is the sure thing. Uh, and yeah. the other thing about him is uh, when I started watching him a couple of years ago, he, he reminded me of Zach Thomas. He's like a supercharged Zach Thomas. He's bigger, he's faster, but he's got the that near-genius level of, of football instinct that Thomas – I mean – you know, got by on. Zach Thomas wasn't big. He wasn't fast. He wasn't any of those things. But that guy could diagnose a play like like few other players we've seen in the NFL. And I think Luke Keekley has that ability. So I'm with you. If the Dolphins get yeah. that guy, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah, because, I mean, again, at the quarterback, you know, I've, I've been watching, and I'm sure you guys probably watched it, the, the uh, show there with uh, Gruden there and he, he's interviewing these quarterbacks and uh you know I, I, I watched a little bit of that today and was impressed with Russell Wilson and you know when they were showing him running the west coast and stuff like that so I think and, and one guy that I, I don't understand I understand why a lot of people don't bring him up is because he's kind of a weakling uh in stature as Case Keenum but I'm telling you I don't you know that guy man I, he can freaking pick you apart now granted that he might get knocked in the middle of next week but I still think that guy in like the fifth or sixth round to me, he's so accurate, man. And I, I just have a hard time believing that Case Keenum is not somebody to be looked at when you get into the fifth and sixth round right there. I mean, I, it, to me, it's so I, I, it's, it's hard for me to understand. But I like Osweiler too. I'll say that. I think uh, he kind of reminds me of Tom Brady, to be honest with you. He's got that little goofy look to him, but he's looking <laughs> to carve your butt up once he gets a little bit of. Uh, you know, I think he's got that edge to him. So, uh, you know, I, I like a lot of the uh, – I even like Cousins to a point. So, I think there's just, you know, if we don't we don't get excited and, and stop, you know, like I said, go back to take the best pay, uh, player available. Uh, we're not going to the Super Bowl barring a miracle anyway, and let's just build this thing the right way because 
in coaching and with Philbin and this in this coaching and Sherman, the coaching that we have, we're already a better team, man. Just by the simple fact of the the uh, uh, offensive philosophy uh, and and you know the movement that you know he's already telling us that you ain't gonna know which way our receivers or where they're gonna line up at. I mean, just through formations and, and smart football, we're a way better team already. I agree, and I'm glad you brought up that that Gruden QB camp thing because I also saw that Russell Wilson thing today, and I have to say yeah. it it won me over. I yeah, thank you. I wish that guy was just like six feet tall. I mean, yeah. it, I mean it's a little bit of a gamble with his height, but I mean he he seemed like a smart, driven kid, yeah. and I mean and he picked that off. I mean the fact that he went to Wisconsin and made it a goal to master their playbook and master the offense in 21 days really said a lot to me. And I even like Gruden in that, and we make fun of Gruden a lot. It is so easy. But I have to say that he was really impressive during that when he was talking about how Wilson couldn't let his height take away from from being mentally tough and moving forward with his career. And you know what? I I believe, and and just like I made mention at the beginning of the conversation, you know, of what it takes to really, you know, be a good scout or whatever. And, you know, of course, we all could think we could be. But I really think in the sitting there like that and the talking and, and, you know, is where you really can find good players. I think that's the secret to it. You know, these guys, you know, and that's just a humble opinion, but I think if you can sit down and look at a guy on the eyeball and kind of sift his weight a little bit, you can get a better idea, you know, on what these guys are or what you're getting with them. And, and it's not to say that they don't go to extremes, you know, and they ask these dumb questions and things like that. But I don't think it's as hard as, it, you know, one guy that I believe that, that is a very good uh, evaluator is the Greg Cosell guy. Oh, Howard's uh, boy, you know, I think he makes more sense. And he's not really been, say, doing it a lot. He's been, you know, NFL films. But that guy makes more sense to me than most of them guys do. And, uh, you know, I think it's – uh, one thing I think I'll say this, man. I, I wish there was a better way that laymen who love the game of football could have a better chance to be scouts and, and those things. I know that's way out there in conversation, but you know, it's the love for the game, man, that makes you um, that I believe would make you a good scout or whatever. And I don't think a lot of people that you know people want to name people as armchair quarterbacks and fans that don't know much, but I think if, if somebody's got a love for the game, they could be a good scout, and I don't think it's really as hard as it is as what these people make, you know, but nonetheless, I want to get off here and I'm going to enjoy your show, but I appreciate you taking my call. No, I appreciate Thanks it, so and we're going to... Thanks Jerry. It's, uh, hey. I, I sat here most of that time nodding and just listening Keith talk, because Coopley is all Keith. He loves the guy, and I have no problem with Dick, but... Uh, I, I, I sat here nodding for almost that entire time. So, but thanks for calling in, Jerry. All right, I appreciate. Oh, that was my bad, Ohio. Call back. <laughs> you hung up on Ohio? <laughs> I did. I just dumped Ohio. Oh, he's gonna oh, be. No. He's gonna be very, very upset with you. Jerry hung up the phone right as I hit the button to to switch over, and yeah, you be, I definitely just hung up on Ohio. You need to be careful there. Uh, uh, Ohio's going to be here in Texas in just a few days. I I know I'm I'm worried, but okay. I know uh, they're talking about it over in the chat room, Ohio and uh, 
and CT are talking about it. Um, Keith, James, did you guys see this morning's Mike and Mike or hear this morning's Mike and Mike comments? Uh, I did not. I know what you're talking about. I usually avoid Mike and Mike like the plague, but yeah, I've I've heard it from a couple of people what they were discussing this morning. This morning on uh, Mike and Mike, and um, Brian Billick kind of chimed in also. But basically, what they were saying was that Tannehill shot up the board too much. That everybody's now talking about how we could have a one-two-three quarterback class for the first time since 99 or something around there. And uh, the the issue is, as Billick put it, that he worries that Tannehill is the next Jamarcus Russell. Ton of talent, ton of potential, but shot up the board and the expectations are too high now. They'll throw him into the, uh, throw him into the um, offense and he's going to flop. So do you see that as a possibility? I don't. I think it's incredibly unfair to say he's Jamarcus Russell. No one deserves that. I mean, Jamarcus Russell. I I remember the game that really pumped up Jamarcus Russell's draft stock, and that was when he absolutely shredded Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl. And I remember watching that game. I was he was just taking on a an Irish defense that I didn't consider to be very good, and he just made a lot of uh, you know street ball plays, which can which can work. In the in the NFL, sometimes given the right guy, but I just didn't think he had it between the ears. I just, I just didn't think he was smart enough to to really take on the NFL offense and manipulate defenses at the next level. And I I mean, Tannehill has shown that. I mean, he does have a brain. I mean, he can get through his progressions. I mean, it's still a raw a raw thing. It, people keep mentioning that word, but I I wouldn't say he's like Russell. I do think his stocks super inflated and I think it, it's a very dangerous thing to have him in the top 10 very very much boomer bust I, I think you're right I think it's high risk high reward at that point but hey guys uh, I will try not to dump anybody else but if you want to talk to us call in 347-326-9461 uh, if we're going to make our 45 minute limit we have about 16 minutes left in the show um, I don't know if we'll really go there but we'll see but go ahead and give us a call give, let us get some more callers and i'll try not to fat finger my ipad and hang up on somebody yeah so uh you stay away that, from that, that call list that's my new goal i guess um i may have just learned that when we get done talking to people you hit the hold button not the hang up button that may be the new rule <laughs> there you go let them hang up themselves but um, this is this is floating around in the uh, in the comments on the thread, and uh, it's a great question. I know we just had um, um, I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, Hall, Hall, the fullback from Tennessee, right. down in Miami for a visit. I believe but, his name is Amard. Yeah, Amard. There you go. Thank you, Amard Hall, down to visit in Miami, but. There's a couple different times in the thread that they've asked, and Alpha has it posted right now at the bottom comment. Is Miami really thinking of going with no fullback? I think that in this offense, and we showed it last year. I mean, Lex Hilliard was there, but he wasn't really a fullback. I really don't see. Um, I really don't see the Dolphins needing a fullback. They have Charles Clay. 
They'll use him as a tight end. If they need a fullback, he can go back there and lead block. But I think this offense is not going to need that fullback lead blocker as much. We're not the only ones either. If you, you make the case that fullback is very much a dying position right now. Very, yes. And, I mean, look at the Patriots. The Patriots last year, going into the playoffs, finally went, okay, let's add a fullback and put Lusaka on their roster. Yeah. I mean, that's also a team that was putting Aaron Hernandez in the backfield, you know. I mean, yeah, anything, go, anything goes with those guys. <laughs> you might be signed as one position, but who knows. So yeah, now, we, why on earth is Tebow in New York and not in New England? That guy could line up anywhere. <laughs> Tom Brady probably nixed it. Probably. Nobody can be a bigger star than Tom Brady in Boston. Um, before uh, I, I really do want to get into the second, third round of the draft, but um, the NFL released today the list of players confirmed to attend the draft. And I haven't put it up on the site yet, and I will, but it is a record 26 players are going to be at the draft this year. I saw this. I was very interested by this list, too. I, I, I mean, it's I can run down it. I mean, I'm sure it'll make great radio time, all 26 players, and I can do it pretty fast. But we have Mark Barron, Justin Blackman, Michael Brockers, Morris Claiborne, Quentin Copples, Fletcher Cox, Kobe Fleener, Michael Floyd, Stephen Gilmore, Cordy Glenn, Robert Griffin III, Dante Hightower, Stephen Hill, Melvin Ingram, Matt Khalil, Dre Kirkpatrick, Andrew Luck, Shane McClellan, Nick Perry, Dontari Poe, Ruben Randall, Trent Richardson, Devon Still, Ryan Tannehill, Courtney Upshaw, and Kendall Wright. All going to be there. The uh, the McClellan invite surprised me the most. Cause, I mean, that guy's been a riser, uh, the guy from Boise State. Uh, yeah. The thing that in- intrigued me the most by this list is they invited all the corners. They did. And that's that's because it's going to be very interesting to see who the number two corner off the board is. Yeah. I mean, we know who number one is. We know Morris Claiborne's going to be the first guy to go. But I mean, do you do you go with the best pure cover guy in this draft with Janoris Jenkins? Do you take the uh, cover two Smash Mouth approved Drake Kirkpatrick, or do you go for the guy with the the speed, just the guy who's the right blend of everything you want in a corner, and that's Stefan Gilmore? going to be it's going to be really interesting to see who goes with that with one of those guys and which guy they take um what the, the thing that i notice is there are one two three four five wide receivers on that list and i guess looking at it that way i'm not really surprised because wide receivers end up going but i mean i would not have thought randall hill even Wright would have gotten an invite Surprised by Reuben Randall. I figured Wright would get the invite. I think Wright's going to be a a, a definite first rounder. Hill, I, I think Hill will be going the late first. I think his speed and size will be too much for a team like San Francisco to turn down. But even but, then, I mean, we're we're now focusing on inviting late first round guys and second round guys into the draft. It's more and, interesting, Kevin. I mean, Exactly. I mean, it's all put that camera on the guy and watch pick after pick not happen. 
so that we can have that Aaron Rodgers moment again. Right. You can literally right. see the moment that his heart tears in two. <laughs> right. Um, going back to uh, Tannehill, CT brings up in the uh, chat that the other thing that uh, Todd McShay said on Mike and Mike this morning was th- they asked him if Matt Barkley had joined or had announced for the draft, where would he fall? And he said the third pick. He would jump over Tannehill. But he said that would be based on the play right now. Tannehill has a um, Tannehill has a higher ceiling. higher ceiling than Barkley ever will. Sorry, I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. I'm not quite good at that yet. That's fine. But well, but he, yeah, they, he he has a higher uh, ceiling than Barkley will. Yeah, you'll see that a lot. I would make the case that Andrew Luck doesn't have uh, doesn't have much of a ceiling left just because he's so good already. I mean, he does everything yeah. well. I mean, how much better can he do things? You know. Yep. There, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's, I mean, people people c- confuse uh, having a low ceiling with being uh, not an elite prospect, and that's not necessarily uh, that's not necessarily the case because you could have a guy come out and he just does everything well. You know what he's going to do, and I mean, you're going to get that product. He, that's usually what what happens when you get a polished guy. The reason Robert Griffin has just immense upside is there's certain things that you haven't seen from him yet and you could i mean he could become a total sleuth with deciphering defenses at the next level his anticipation could develop i mean there's certain things that i mean if he put if he brings that to the table then you're going to see a show whereas you've seen that from luck you've seen the anticipation you've seen the accuracy you've seen the leadership you've seen the way he reads defenses i mean he showed the long ball at his pro day what isn't on that guy's resume? That's why. And the Barclays is arm strength. Yeah, the Heisman. Don't <laughs> tell him that. But I mean, Barkley. Barkley's got a few things he needs to need to develop. Uh, the the arm strength, although it didn't bother me. And the, I mean, there is such thing as developing arm strength after you enter the NFL. Peyton Manning did it. Aaron Rodgers did it. Yeah. So and I mean. And that's that's really where they went on Mike and Mike McShay especially was that Tannehill is Rodgers. He's that guy that needs to sit for a year, two years, develop, get the arm strength, get all that stuff put together, and then come out. But I think we have that problem. If you take him at eight, are you sitting there developing or are you looking – to put him on the field and get the experience, let's get going. Yeah, you want your top ten pick to be to contribute right away. That's what I think. What a lot of teams look for. You want a guy that is going to come in there and make a difference immediately. So, so I mean, if that's... we pick if we pick Tannehill, and we all admit it right now, if he needs time. Are we going to see the fans going crazy again? Are we going to have the chance at training camp when Matt Moore throws an interception that we want Tannehill. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. <laughs> uh, See, good, uh, good memory. That was ugly <laughs> last summer. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. Henny was so easy to hate at times. But, I mean, that was completely uncalled for when, when they were pulling that. Either way, uh, yeah, I mean, Tannehill's presence would could potentially lead to something like that. But I, I understand where they're going. Tannehill does have a lot of upside. And that's why people keep mentioning the the word raw when they describe him. Any analysis of Tannehill's game has the word raw in it, I guarantee you. So yeah. it's something where, yeah, he could develop. And, I mean, he could be a, a top-flight pro. Or, I mean, he could just be a guy who never puts it together. Hey, James, you there? Yes, sir. I just came back on. Do you see Ohio? I got uh, I got we got a couple callers um on on hold down there. Can you see them? I cannot at all. So uh if you hit, can hit, see hit, them, hit, if you can see them, go ahead and bring them hit, in. Ref- hit refresh, brother. I'm gonna get yeah, Ohio yeah. first, if you guys don't mind. Okay. Just, go ahead. Ohio. Hello. Hey Ohio. Hello. Sorry about that. You got me? Yep, we got you, you now. Okay. Hey, uh, I got a, I got a quick cake about uh, the whole draft Rand Tannehill thing. But before we do that, I got something for the Jets fans out there. Hold on. Oh god. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh my gosh. This this is this that is when I'm glad we're not we're not regulated by the FCC. <laughs> oh, that was better. Oh. Oh my God! Now that uh, that is done, the hate mail is starting. <laughs> now that that's done, um, the whole Tannehill thing. I think the linchpin lies with what is Cleveland going to do. You know, I don't think he's the type of guy that I want to trade up. You know, I think it would cost too much to trade up to three to get him. And you just don't know what – so I guess, you know, the bottom line is what's the contingency plan if we don't – if he doesn't fall to eight, what are the Dolphins going to do? Do we trade down? Do we take the best player available at eight? I mean, you know, so that's that's a big question in my mind, you know. And then you got the whole quarterback developmental thing. You know, is it is it worth the time? You know, is he worth the time? Is he that guy? So I think there's a lot of variables there and a lot of questions, in my opinion. What do you, what do you want to do at number eight? Uh, me? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Again, I'm not the draft guy. I'm not the you know. <laughs> I like to cheer. I like to cheer for the team, man. I'm, that's why I'm listening to you guys. Tell me what I should think. Uh, I suppose you know. <laughs> um, I suppose if it was me, if Tannehill was there, I suppose I would take him. You know, because I, I, you know, I got to keep the fan base happy, and uh, you know, I, but you know, the thing that struck out struck out to me is why I listened to Mike and Mike this morning. Uh, Mike Golick said he didn't perform well in the second half. He couldn't overcome, uh, uh, you know, he couldn't keep a lead and he couldn't mount a comeback. Well, I don't, I, you know, right there, I don't like that. Well, geez, if that's a fact, I, I don't like that. But if anyone knows him, Mike Sherman knows him, so I guess i got to defer to the experts on that one. But, you know, if, if they think we should take him, I'm happy with that. And if we don't take him, I'm happy with that too. Um, and if we don't take him, i, I got to go defensive line. You know, I, I want to have a, a monster defense to where we alleviate some of the pressure off Wake. And, you know, I also had the idea with Wake, I go, is it too crazy to try to trade him and stockpile draft picks? 
Is that too crazy? I mean, everyone's uh, kind of succumbed to we're in a rebuilding mode. The guy's going to be 30 or is 30 and wants a monster payday. You know, if we're going to, uh, you know, commit to a rebuilding mode, do we try to trade him away and get a bunch of draft picks? Yeah, that's, I, I thought I, about I, that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mean, Dolphins, I could see the Dolphins making that move, but my my fear of that is, or why I think they wouldn't, is he's really the face of the franchise right now. I mean, well, it, you know, it, I mean, you, you could say that, but you know, the, the or the other the other side of that argument is the franchise has no face. Oh yeah, you know, they're just kind of. You know, uh, you know, and and so, you know, again, again, from a business point of view, you know, I'm a fan. I don't like the business point of view. I don't like the draft. And, you know, I'm like, fudge it. You know, get me to the preseason. Let's get, let's wean out the scrubs and let's get to, uh, you know, the opening weekend. You know, that's look that's what Ohio, I'm here for. Look at Ohio censoring themselves. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, can I say showing the drink. Drink. We don't have a dump button, so. Uh. <laughs> well, we do have a dump button. Well, I'm good at that. you know, uh, you know, yeah. heaven forbid my wife uh, pull back in and uh, she hear me drop f bomb, she'd look at me like, uh, you know, if looks could kill. Why are you saying it? fuck this and fuck that in every sense for her? Like, I don't know. <laughs> sorry. Oh, and sorry, honey. Gone. Yeah. Um, so she is not here, so I, I can swear my heart's content, but I will keep it PG friendly if I can. But again. You know, I'm not a talent. I'm not a talent guy. I'm a root for the team guy, and uh, you know, so I don't. You know, that's why I always defer to the big brains. They go, well, that's what they pay these guys to do to put the best possible team on the field, and then yeah. that will keep me happy. You know, as long as they're competitive. You know, there's only one team that wins the Super Bowl. You know, yep. everybody else is essentially first loser. So, you know, as long as they're competitive, you know, it's those games that they lose. By a field goal, by two points, it drives me nuts, you know. And, of course, a blowout loss. You know, I don't like those either, you know. But, um, you know, I just want them to be competitive. And if they can get the right scheme, if they got to trade away everybody uh, under the sun who is, quote, unquote, the face of the franchise to stockpile younger, uh, potentially better talent, then, then I'll go with that. I'll live with that, you know. I mean, I've said this many times. If I can live through the one and fifteen season, I can certainly live through this. Am I happy? Yeah. Uh, not as, not especially, but you know, I'm going to live. You know, the sun the sun's going to. You know, I I leave these games where they lose, and I see people just hanging their head, and I'm like, man, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. You know, that's fact. You know, so I don't know, but I don't want to monopolize your uh, show. But those are kind of my thoughts. Is you know, what's our contingency plan if we don't get Tannehill? I'm not really down with drafting up or trading up to get him. And, you know, is it too crazy to trade Wake away and try to get a King's Ransom for him? You know, uh, you know. but, again, I, I really don't want to do that. You know, I'd rather see us pay him and go get somebody to compliment him and uh, ride that train out because, uh, you know, I like defense. I like guys that hit people. So, anyways, yeah. I'm out of here. I'll listen to the show, and thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks and for calling one, in. One, one, hey, yeah. one more thing. Jets suck. <laughs> <laughs> but, All right, bye. Thanks. And going off of what uh, Ohio was really saying, kind of leads us into Rice and Beans, who's joining the show right now. Hey, Rice and Beans, welcome. Hey, what's up, guys? 
not much. Rice wants to talk to us about edge rushers. So go ahead and take the floor. All right. Well, I mean, it goes a little bit hand in hand with what Ohio just brought up. Um, I know the I don't know the names off the top of my head, and it's killing me right now. But I know the Dolphins had four guys I think in within the week to you know visit the team. I think it was Goff, uh, Guyton from the Patriots. There was a guy from the Raiders, and I'm not sure the other guy. But you know, I don't know if they were just you know checking out these guys, seeing what they were about. Um, I don't know if they made any progress. Is there like another visit for them to come in, or have they moved on? And I was thinking if they did bring one of these guys, I mean, I just look at them as, like, extra depth. But if they actually do land one of these guys, how is that then going to affect the draft and, you know, drafting an edge rusher? I think that they're still going to look for it in the draft. I really do. Um, Brian Brian Kill is the other guy that they okay. brought in. Gary Guyton and Brian Kill. Um, they, I, I think that really – Edge rusher is a need that we're going to look for in the draft. I don't know if it'll be Ingram or uh, one of those guys up at the front of the draft or if it'll be a second-round guy, but I think that in the first or second round, you're going to see Miami go edge rusher, either defensive end or linebacker. All right. You know, being from the New York area, I get to watch him go off a lot. He's not an every-down player, this guy, but, you know, the guy can get to the quarterback. You know, he's mean, he's a bit of an athletic freak. And, you know, right. he, he might he might look good in the uniform. Yeah. He might. It, it, it really might. Um, but, like I said, I, I think that in the end, first or second round, you're going to see a rusher, especially with all the focus they've had on the defense this offseason. Keith, any thoughts? Sorry, I guys. Like, yeah, I got, I got, like, I'm outside and, like, my bull terrier is, like, running around just eating, like, anything in sight. I don't even know what, what's in his <laughs> mouth right now. But, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, they, they got so much, like, bad news. There's some bad news on Copals. And, you know, I don't know if he's the guy. I mean, I, I don't believe what they're saying. But, like, all you hear about Ingram is that he's great. Maybe that he's, like, a little small, but that, like, he's great. And then you got, you know, these two sides of the fence on Copals. I think if if Jeff Ireland's indeed Parcells Jr., like a lot of uh, people have him pegged to be, then Quentin Copels is almost a lock at yeah, number eight because yeah, he is he is that Parcells type. I mean, not really a fit in the three four per se, unless you want to, to rock him at the five tech. But I mean, he's he's just a stout pass rusher. Uh, eats the run really well is just someone that you need to command at least you need to throw at least two guys at him to, to really in an attempt to neutralize him. So it, that's something to, to bear in mind. I've heard Andre branch from Clemson thrown around. I like him a lot. He's kind of like a late first, early second prospect at this point. And I mean, just to throw it out before I let you guys go, yeah, I, I mean, the, to me, the Browns, this whole thing now, it's like like a you know big smoke screen by them. They want they want to see a full bite and will overpay to get up there. But you know, Tannehill's going to be on the board when we get there. And you know, my whole belief, I think the, the Jaguars right in front of the Dolphins. I, you know, whether it's KC, maybe even Philadelphia, if they're crazy enough, 
you know, those are like the only teams I worry about, maybe trading up and then grabbing Tannehill. But unless a team trades up, he'll be on the board. And then, you know, it's, it's up to the Miami brass after that. I agree. I think that, I mean, Jacksonville could shop that pick. Uh, unless Blackman falls, I, I think that they they go for it. I don't see Blackman getting past St. Louis, but you never know. Because once a player falls, all bets are off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's now there's even reports that you know the, the Vikings aren't set on Khalil, so you know, I mean, no one knows what's going to happen. You know, it should be a good time once the day comes. Yeah, Rick Spielman's a hard read. Uh, good for the most part, unless Jamar Fletcher's in the draft, and then and then you're, and then you're going to have problems. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, just, let me oh, let sorry. you guys go. Keep up the good work. Thanks, bud. Thanks very much. Thanks very uh, much for night, calling guys. in. Yeah, Rick Spielman, can, can you imagine if when we got Chris Chambers in that draft, <laughs> if we had paired him, you know, if we had just gone with Drew Brees in the first round that year, what a connection yep. that would have been. Even a young yep. Drew Brees, even, I mean, nowhere near what he is now, I, I would take that all day. But so, that kind of brings yeah. me back. Let's go full circle now on the uh, on the discussion tonight before we head out for the night. and. Hey, guys, I know we're a little over the time we're aiming for. Uh, if you want to call in, number's 347-326-9461. Give us a call. We've got a few minutes left, but uh, go full circle and bring it back. I've heard a lot of people so far this week complaining that the Dolphins should have signed Wake a long time ago, that Jeff Ireland screwed this up because we didn't get him last year or right as the season ended, so that way we could get him before the Mario Williams signing that went blue defensive end, outside linebacker, salaries way off chart. But then you turn and look, and the Saints haven't signed the true face of their franchise, the face of the city, Drew Brees. So have we really screwed anything up if we can't sign, if we haven't signed Cameron Wake compared to the Saints, who can't sign their own star quarterback. Yeah, they're hardballing them right now, you know, where he is. So, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't lay the blame solely on, on Miami and saying, well, look, you let this sit around too long. I, I believe a deal will get done. I, I don't think that this is – I mean, and Wake's, Wake's entitled to pull what, what, he's, what he's doing right now. I mean, that said, I mean, it takes two here. I mean, you have to look. You have to look at the production, but you also have to factor in the age. Yeah. I mean, I think Mario Williams was taken one year after after uh, Cameron Wake or Derek Wake, as he was known at the time. I think yeah. he was in the. Two, I think he came out in 2005, out of Penn State. And, so not a not a real difference in age. Remember, uh, Mario Williams was the flop mistake pick that the Houston Texans made, not taking the sure thing. Reggie Bush. Yeah, uh, Charlie, Charlie Casterly ended up looking really good coming yeah. out of that thing. Because I mean, I remember that that Friday night when it came out that Houston was going to go with Mario Williams, and I, I mean that blew me away. Because I remember at the end of at the end of the uh, 2005 season, it was like the team with the lowest. It was like the Reggie Bush Bowl at the end. I mean, team with the lowest records getting Reggie Bush, and it took yep. a lot of. It took a lot of gall to go with Mario Williams over over such a 
hyped-up prospect. And, I mean, it paid off. Mario Williams has been tremendous. But Mario Williams had the same questions that Quentin Copel's had, or has, I should say. I mean, people people questioned the motor. People people wondered if he could do it for every snap, if he could get in there and and really drive and really keep that motor going. So, I do have a random question because I watched the uh, John Gruden thing today, and uh, I think Beaver's uh, big on him, having watched some of the comments over the site, and he's already posted it here in the site for this thread. But uh, do you think that there is any way Kellen Moore becomes a decent quarterback in the NFL? Uh, I I, I want to say no, but I can never uh, just toss aside a guy who's that smart and that uh, decisive with the football. But his his lack of arm strength is alarming. I mean, it's not – people thought Pennington – Pennington struggled to drive the ball downfield. I mean, I watched a little bit of combine with Kellen Moore, and it was just, it was staggering how weak his arm is. But I don't know. I mean, you you never know with these guys. I didn't think Tim Tebow was ever going to do anything. There's yeah. cert- I mean, there's just certain guys where they don't fit the mold you want in a starting NFL quarterback. But for some reason something in their game compensates for a lot of flaws for more his, his brains and his accuracy maybe could, could compensate for his lack of height and lack of arm strength. I don't know. I don't believe that will happen, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet my life on it. Uh, Mr. Solo Dolo says that Case Keenum's better than Kellen Moore. So we know his thoughts at least. But, yeah, I did, I watched that thing with Gruden, and I really think Gruden did a good job of making him look good. I looked at that, and I'm like, wow, Kellen Moore looks really good. And then I started thinking about it more and went, but it's Kellen Moore. Um, I, the guy has anticipation. He knows where to put a ball. But can he get it there versus a um, Darrell Revis? I mean – I don't know. Without the arm strength, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. Yeah, I don't but, think he can make all the NFL throws. I really don't. And I yeah. was open-minded. Like when Boise State beat TCU uh, in uh, their BCS bowl game a couple of years ago, I mean, Kellen Moore played really well. I remember thinking, yeah, that's some guy to watch. And then I saw his height was six feet, and I was like, eh, okay, fine, I'll deal. Because I'm not somebody who puts a, a high – a super high premium on height at the quarterback position. I mean, six feet's kind of my my floor, if you will. But and then I see he's he's lower than that, or I say shorter shorter than that. And then I mean, I really watch his arm strength, and it was just underwhelming. That's kind of odd. I got kicked out of the chat room. That makes me sad. I was gonna make. I was going to make a last-minute pass through all of the uh, sites and see if anybody had anything else they wanted to talk about. But apparently I got kicked out of the chat room. That makes me sad. And we apparently lost Ohio because the Washington versus Boston Stanley Cup playoffs game is tied at 0-0 with six minutes to go. Uh, I was watching that game earlier. Uh, I don't even want to get started on hockey right now. Don't get me started. (laughs) 
Hey, in, in case you wanted to know, the Marlins lost tonight to uh, to Philadelphia. But I don't want do to talk about home. it. They do come home to uh, have their first ever home stand in the new stadium, not just the one random game and move out. So, have you been wearing your Marlins hat? I have been. I have been. I've been watching them. I, I downloaded the app on the iPad, and I've been actually watching Marlins games. Oh. So I'm uh, I'm trying to get into being a Marlins fan. I'm trying. Also, uh, James' birthday is uh, Sunday, and uh-huh. I got him. I got him a Lamar Odom jersey because he's such a Dallas Mavericks <laughs> fan. <laughs> that is a great choice right there. I for mean, some reason, it was on sale. I, I don't understand yeah. why. <laughs> I got it for like fifty cents. I did. <laughs> I don't get yeah, it. I don't, James, I don't understand why they were just throwing these things away. Be looking for that, James. Yeah, I'm, I'll. Uh, I'm, I'm good. Also, also, uh, Keith's birthday is tomorrow. For everyone that's wondering. Wow, you two are like long lost cousins or something. I know, and Dave. Dave uh, <laughs> we we're talking about this. It's like the uh, the axis of evil. On the, on the site, we're all within. We're all in what eleven days of each other. Yeah, it was just last week. Yeah, so oh, the big tw- the big twenty eight, the big two eight. I'm told it's a it's a good age, but I don't know. I could go for another year of twenty seven or nineteen. Oh, good question, Mr. Solo Dolo. What's the difference yes, between Matt Liner? Yeah. What's the difference between Moore and Matt Leiner? Both weak left-handed quarterbacks. Leinhart didn't pan out, did he? Yeah. Yep. Oh boy, Matt Matt Leiner. <laughs> One of my Matt, 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 Matt was too busy hot tubbing and and yes and whatever he was doing. I think he was doing California stuff. That's. He's just, I mean, what a, I mean, the funny thing about that guy, speaking of having your arm twisted to get a prospect, Dennis Green in Arizona. <laughs> I don't want to take him. I don't want to draft Matt Liner. It's like, you're going to do it. And you're going to like it. Yep. Give me that, that, yeah. that rangy southpaw from USC. That He looks so good in college. Oh, uh, well. Matt I think uh, I, I think we're just about uh, talked out for the night. You guys got anything you want to bring up? One thing. Uh, yep. Are you are you familiar with uh, the radio personality known as Man Cow? Yes. Does I James am. not sound just like Man Cow? <laughs> uh. <laughs> I was listening to that podcast last week, and I was like, who does he sound like? And then I thought of it, because, I mean, Mankow was, for a very long time, I mean, he was a big deal in Chicago for some reason I cannot grasp. But I think James sounds very similar to him. <laughs> Thanks. Now that's all I'm going to think every time we do this show. No, 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 don't do that. He sounds like he's upset now. <laughs> I, I wasn't making any sound. <laughs> I could hear. I could literally hear the contempt in your voice when you weren't talking. There. Yes. But... <laughs> So besides that, I've got nothing. Okay. <laughs> James, you got anything? No, I'm good. Okay. Look for your uh, Lamar Odom jersey. Yes, He's I, gonna I, do I great can't wait. He's going to do great things for you in the playoffs. I sent it for the mail. 
<laughs> By the way, he, he he apparently he boarded the plane today at DFW wearing a Lakers championship jersey and his Lakers championship ring. While yeah. he's still under contract with the Mavs. Yeah. We're still paying him for the rest of the yeah. season, but Yes. That, and it is important that you give him his money. Yes. Can somebody explain so, to me what exactly happened here? Because I mean I've been bogged down with a couple things. All I heard is that Lamar Odom is gonna be paid even though he's not playing, but why isn't he playing again? Well, the the, the story the story the story that the best I can pick it up from you know listening to a lot of sports radio here is that the the word is that he had a big um, blow up with Mark Cuban like he had a big um, at halftime, but then it came out that that may have been a uh, that may have been a uh, a cover up because apparently him and him and Dirk got into a uh, got into it verbally because Dirk you know basically told him hey you need to you know, play and get off your ass and quit jacking around. And he went and shoved Dirk and Dirk jacked him. And, you know, then it got broke up and, you know, that, that was, that was the end of Lamar then, but you know, who know, who, who really knows what happened, you know, behind the scenes. Lamar's not a fan of David Hasselhoff. No. Well, you know, I mean, he, he basically has put in zero effort since he's been here, you know, his six minutes, you know, you know, play six minutes, one rebound, you know, nights or, uh, you know, they were just tired of it. And I think it just all came to a head and they said, you know, how about you just go home and we'll pay you and just stay away from us. Oh, man. And with that, we have our nightly uh, non-Miami Dolphins segment of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off in a, in a left lane tangent there, but, but... – Thanks guys for calling in tonight. Um, I think I think it went really well having you guys call in and give us some topics to talk about rather than me, Keith, and James just babbling on. So I think that went really well. Um, remind you guys, I do have that reader survey on the site. Uh, find the fan shot now or look for it in a little while. I'll post it up on the page. And last thing I have to say is, yes, Keith, it is. Actually, it's pronounced Milwaukee, which is Algonquin. For the good land. Good night, guys, and uh, talk to you all next week. Bye, everybody. Not, not everyone. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.